You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast where we are doing a crossover special. We got Locked On Heat, Locked On Pacers here today to talk ahead of the highly anticipated Eastern Conference playoffs first round rematch from last season. I'm Tony East, the host of Locked On Pacers and the contributor for Forbes and the Westside Community News here to break it down from the Pacers side and joining me on the other line, David Ramil from Locked On Heat. You've heard his voice on here a million times by now. David, first of all, how are you doing covering this uh, scorching hot heat team? It's pretty good. I can't believe you just referred to it as a rematch of last year's semifinals. I mean, that was that feels like an eternity ago. I can't even recall what that series was like. You don't I mean, you don't consider this a highly anticipated uh road road back to back or not back to back road series uh for the Pacers to, to enact some revenge after they were embarrassed last year? I mean, not without bubble <laughs> Jordan in the lineup. Sorry, no. <laughs> Good times. Uh, yeah. that, that must feel like an eternity for Pacers fans as well. <laughs> it, yeah, that I mean, that series got their coach fired, so it, it, it was that bad on this end. <laughs> Two times in a row now that well, Nick McMillan was fired as a result of a loss of the, the Heat, and then Lloyd Pierce was fired as a result of a loss of the Heat, and Nick McMillan took over, so it, it's worked out pretty well. <laughs> and quietly, <laughs> quietly, McMillan talks have not lost a game since he took over, so that I'm right. sure is sitting, sitting well in Pacerland, right. Um, so I told David this right before we started recording, but if you want to know how on fire the heat are or how not good the Pacers have been, uh, this season, the heat have 14 wins since February 1st, the Pacers have 17 wins the entire season. Um, the heat were not very good before February 1st, but they had like a million dudes injured, right. And COVID hit their team really hard. So this might be a loaded question, but how much of them being awesome now, besides their loss to Memphis last night, is that they just have everybody back and healthy. Well, not just everyone, Jimmy Butler specifically. I mean, everybody else in that roster was in and out. There was one uh, game prior to, I can't, I can't recall exactly when it was, mid-January uh, when they were supposed to take on the Boston Celtics. That game was postponed, and then they lost Jimmy to health and safety protocols. Avery Bradley had COVID. Uh, Goran Dragic missed time. Bam missed time. And then everybody's kind of been in and out of the lineup. Bradley actually came back. He was their quote-unquote big free agent acquisition and then he came back for one game, got hurt, and has been out for a month since then. So he's slowly returning hey, to he action. He's questionable for this for for Friday. So we'll see. What yeah, happens. I I wouldn't count on him being out there just yet. <laughs> but um, but you know, Butler's return is clearly the difference maker for Miami. Like not just his offensive production, the fact that he is playing at near an MVP level, but defensively he has this team in sync playing at such a high level they've disrupting everything they're challenging three-point shots they're challenging shots at the rim despite the fact they don't have a true rim protecting big out there so they've just been playing at a whole other level he makes everything on this team so much better he's overcompensating for the obvious weaknesses in the backcourt at least defensively from guys like tyler hero kendrick nunn goran dragic etc so it you know jimmy he's the difference maker that we all expected him to be 18 and nine when Jimmy plays, which is a phenomenal record that would, that would put them in the, you know, upper, upper echelon of the East. If that was maintained over a whole season, it's hard not to ignore how good the heat could be. Uh, if this team can peak at the right time, once again, like we saw, I mean, they were literally in the finals last season. That sounds really stupid to say, but the record was not very good for a while this season. So I feel like it bears repeating. Uh, so another weird question, but you know, the, the way I look at the Heat has been kind of strange. I, I haven't caught enough Heat this year. I'm kind of embarrassed. I've caught more since Jimmy has returned. But they're 25th in offense and third in defense if you go by 
the per 100 possession numbers. And I feel like right. it's not reflective of the Heat's offense anymore because I know some of that is Jimmy is back, but they just, they have too many good players for me to be like, oh, the Heat aren't a threat offensively. You know, I, I know they're 25th in offense and they have been shooting a poor percentage from three, but I feel like when Jimmy plays and in general, just given the talent they have, they are a better offensive team than the numbers indicate. They get a lot of inconsistency out of some of their key scores or scores that they're counting on probably way more than they should. Guys like Hero, who's still just 21 years old. Kelly Olenek's been in the starting lineup and a loss to Grizz the Grizzlies yesterday. He was in foul trouble. And Miami's offense just became totally inept without Olenek, which is you know strange to say because Heat fans wanted Olenek shipped out of here, and not just via trade, but more likely in a body bag, the way that they talk about <laughs> his overall level of play. He is, not, he is not a fan favorite, let me put it that way. So it's just been weird. And then Duncan Robinson has regressed as you probably expected him to do so after a historically good shooting season. You know, it was only going to go down from here. He was not going to shoot 45% on nine attempts per game for the rest of his career. He's been the focus of a lot of team defenses. And so you're trying to key what he does. You force him into bad shots more often. And you change the lineup too. Like the, the, the lineup that worked so well last season in the regular season prior to the bubble included Myers Leonard as a stretch big. Obviously he has not been playing this season um and so all these kind of things have a trickle down effect where you were fielding 17 different starting lineups before jimmy returned to the rotation you had goran Dragic starting tyler hero starting then kendrick nunn's in there then you know kelly olenic winds up starting and so there's been a lot of inconsistency here not a lot of chances to build that chemistry just yet and while jimmy has certainly helped a lot of it the shooting has regressed a little bit and and so it's hard when you take as many shots as Miami does, when that's such a primary focus of what they do offensively, and you don't have other strong shot creators, Goran Dragic is a year older. Even the version that we saw uh, against the Pacers last year, he's no longer anywhere close Gosh. to that. So it, it's just it's just been a much worse team in general, even though they're playing so well of late. Uh, they're just not quite the same team. That's why I don't have as much faith in them as you might have as far as them being able to duplicate their success from last season. Oh, I don't think they'll they'll make the finals again, but I think they could win around again given their their talent level. I don't think that's too far fetched to say. I remember we previewed that Pacers Heat series, and I had Heat in six. And I think you had Heat in five or six. Doesn't matter. But the the biggest difference between what I was expecting of that series and what actually happened was not necessarily Jimmy or Bam. It was like Dragic was awesome, and Duncan yeah. Robinson was awesome, and Tyler Hero was amazing, and Olenek gave him good minutes. Right, they, they, like all those guys that you just said that have been up and down were just awesome in the playoffs last year. And that that's what made the Heat so dangerous. So I, I guess that makes a lot of sense that their inconsistencies would be keeping the Heat key, Heat's numbers where it has. So how much of the, this is a another – man, I'm on fire with the weird questions. I guess it's more just state of the Heat kind of stuff. The Heat kind of feel like they're towing the line a little bit. Like I, they made the finals, so that's not true. But between like youth and vets, you know, that they, they signed every Bradley in the offseason, they – they have it with Dalla. They just got Trevor Ariza. You know, some some of their newer acquisitions are old guys, but they're still giving a lot of time to Kendrick Nunn, Tyler Hero. I guess Duncan Robinson's not really young. Uh, and Bam is young, you know, but he's a superstar, whatever. Uh, do they Are they building towards, like, a big trade, or is this really what they feel like the roster should be going forward? What vibe do you get from the Heat? I really don't know how to answer that. And it's unfair to, to you and your listeners, but the truth is it's so hard to gauge. Like, I, I've just made this argument very recently, is that the, the focus is – 
so much on trying to maximize the four years that you have Jimmy under contract. You want to deliver a title for him in a way that you could not for Dwayne during his MVP level seasons and before the formation of the big three and even the years after that when they were a very mediocre team. And so there's a lot of pressure to get this team as far as you possibly can. So on the surface, yes, it makes a lot of sense. Acquire as much superstar talent as you can. That was the goal for this offseason. They wanted to acquire Giannis Antetokounmpo. They wanted to be poised along with 29 other teams to be able to sign Giannis. It didn't quite work out that way, obviously. And so that's why you're linked to James Harden. And that's why you may or may not be linked to the possibility of adding Victor Oladipo. So it's hard to gauge <laughs> Whether Sorry. or not you try and make a, a move for Victor this season, um, you know, you might wait till the offseason, given that there's probably mutual interest there. I don't know that there's any other star that might be on the market, although those things kind of tend to change pretty frequently. Like nobody saw last year that Harden was going to be shipped out of Houston as quickly as he was. At least I don't think so. Um, you know, so there's always a possibility of gearing up for something. Miami always has that mi mindset that they can make a play for the right player, that they can package just the right amount of players. And so they've kind of created this great flexibility, right? Because you have veterans on high contracts like Leonard before that you could package for a deal for a guy like Ariza, but you also have young players like Nunn, like Duncan Robinson, like Hero that are on relatively cheap deals that you can throw in there as, you know, a, a nice incentive for a team to include in a trade for a superstar. So that's the goal, I think, is eventually to acquire as much superstar while still developing your players internally, right? Like you, you want to bring in those veterans like Ariza, Bradley, et cetera, because they contribute now, similarly to what Jay Crowder and Andre Iguodala did last season. But you're also still counting on Bam Adebayo to grow even more as a 23-year-old, that Tyler Hero as a 21-year-old can take another step in his development and on and on. David, I am uh, very impressed that you have the time while hosting this podcast to add in a side comedy career because many Locked On Pacers listeners just got a, a hearty chuckle out of you calling Victor Oladipo a star at this at this uh, junction of his career. So bravo to you for that one, including me. I also chuckled. He has been not very good since the Rockets acquired him. Yeah, I feel like it's it's fait accompli that he'll be on the heat at some point, whether it's via some funky trade in the next week or assigning i think i think that he would rather just say hey, you know what we, we can get him for free in a few months right <laughs> so right that makes sense but you know still is there pressure to like try and compete for a title this year i mean i don't even know that oladipo necessarily raises the ceiling all that much more but i mean i i guess you, you have to make those decisions whether or not some of the young talent that you have that you'd have to trade in order to acquire depot in the first place is worth jettisoning him for a player who may be inconsistent like they they bank so much on their ability to maximize a player on their roster like Iguodala like Crowder does Oladipo in Miami turn him to the version that was a top 10 player in the league with the Pacers a few years ago maybe maybe not it's hard to tell yeah I did. yeah that that would be the hope and, and Miami spun guys into the best versions of themselves all the time so it's totally possible uh those links to there have been have been common forever, but you know, I think it's possible. I think it's almost a certainty that he'll be better there than he was in his last couple stops. But uh, I am flattered by the, the star brand he has uh, maintained over the last few years. Let's talk some Pacers, but first we're going to take a small break. Talk about the great folks over at betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football is over, but NBA, college basketball, NHL, in full swing, and football free agency going crazy right now. Bet Online covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV alongside sports. They have real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. They've got you covered for all the news, the scores, and odds. 
all across the world of sports and entertainment. It's the best way to place your bets. And best of all, it's free to sign up. Head over to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today. Use the promo code locked on. When you do so, you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus with your deposit. Betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Pacers side, David, uh, I kind of, I don't want to make you run the discussion here. That's not how this should work, but you just talked to Mark Schindler for like an hour about the Pacers. So I feel like you have the pulse of the team down better than me because Mark is all over the podcasting scene. So what do you feel like uh, when you think of Pacers, he is going to be something that what, what matchup or, or stylistic choice do you feel like will, will cause the heat problems in a match in these two matchups? Well, you, you pointed out 18 and nine is the record for Miami since they've included Jimmy Butler back into the rotation. Conversely, since the 12 games during which Victor Oladipo played where my uh, Indiana amassed a somewhat uh, illusory eight and four record, <laughs> they had <Victor> <laughs> the Pacers have been nine and 18. So uh, a nice little inverse number there. Uh, look, the Pacers just seem like they have like we were talking about this, Mark and I, and, and the more we kind of started figuring out where this team is and the, the fact that Nate Bjorkren is trying to incorporate all these different players that you still have arguably your best player in TJ Warren or one of your best players in TJ Warren sideline for most of the regular season and most of the foreseeable future. Like you're probably punting on this season. Like that's just a sense I get is that even as I'm looking at this roster, the fact that they have been nine 18 over the last few games, even as much talent as they have. And the expectation is that the Pacers will still continue to find a way to win the same way they always did under McMillan. It kind of feels more like a retooling, if not a full rebuilding season where you're just trying to figure out what you have, where you're trying to still figure out whether or not the Sabonis Turner pairing mix, you know, fits, whether or not Warren can play alongside Karis Levert, et cetera. Would you agree with that sentiment? Yeah, the the, the punting and, and tanking or whatever the hell is happening with this team right now argument is kind of funny to me because like if they if they were to tank, what what would they do differently than they're doing right now? Like they, they can't right. win at all and they're playing most of their young guys, uh, not like a ton, but they're playing basically all their young guys who are, you know, <laughs> in the future plans of the team and they're playing all their stars still a bunch and they still can't win. So it, it's almost like just by doing the, the things they would be doing, trying to do if they were trying to win at a high level as well, you know, Sabonis heavy minutes, Brogdon heavy minutes, and yet playing their normal rotation, which includes Aaron Holiday and occasionally Goga Batadze and uh, Edmund Sumner's in that rotation. Both young centers are playing a lot they're still losing. So it's like, I don't, the outside of the, the coming week of trade deadline fun, where, you know, you talk about siphoning off vets as a bad team. Like I don't, the, the difference between what they're doing and what tanking or punting or whatever the hell, the opposite of what they were trying to do would be does it is a very thin line. So yeah, that, that without Warren, they, they're just really not that awesome right now. And Levert obviously will help a lot. He got them a, a win over a very good Suns team over the weekend. And, you know, unfortunately he comes back in the midst of a run where they have Lakers, Suns, Nuggets, Heat twice and Nets, like the expectation for the Pacers in that run might be one win anyway. So the fact that they already got one is nice, but yeah, he comes in at a terrible time where integrating him, you're just playing against all these teams that are going to embarrass you if you slip up at all. So it's, it's a tough time for the Pacers to be in the position they're in and the, the wins are, are not looking like they're coming anytime soon. 
is it just the difficulty of the schedule, right? I mean, it, that could be a factor. They're playing some tough opponents. This could be just a tough stretch. And then eventually, as players start to get healthy, as Levert starts to kind of figure out where he fits into the rotation, eventually they could turn it around. I mean, would you want them to kind of just figure out what they have more than the, they, they are currently doing and not worry about playoff seeding or even the chance at the playoffs? But or, or do you think it's better for them to just continue to try to win games and see if they can figure a way out of this current malaise? They aren't in the heat tier of like, we have a superstar and can make the finals. Like we have to do everything we can for this guy. But I don't think that they, you can waste years of Sabonis as the Pacers. Right. Like, he's not like so awesome that it's, it's going to be like a detriment on your franchise if you do. But, you know, he, he who knows? It's the NBA. Like these teams change so fast. He's all stars you know, their desires change so fast that you always have to be trying and seeing what you have around those level of guys and Brogdon's fringe all-star level most seasons, right? You've got something there, figure out what works around those guys as Karis comes back and as some of your youngsters play more. I think they're, they're doing that mostly, not perfectly, but mostly. Uh, so, yeah, you know, I, I think they're, they're going to try at least to go for the playoffs. Whether They're not going to win a round, right? Like there's no way they can get up to a high enough seed to have a favorable enough matchup to get out of the first round, but maybe they try to sneak in, win a few games, see what Nate Bjorkren can do in a postseason setting. And to your point about the schedule, yeah, their March is in, insane. So the, the biggest factor is the NCAA tournament is entirely in Indy. So all their games are on the road, except for in the, on Wednesdays because of the way the tournament works, right? Where they play Thursday through Sunday. So they have all these road games. They play um, all, all the teams I just said, plus Dallas. They play Miami again at the end of the month. And the Wizards, they can sneak a win in against the Wizards. And the Bucks, right? So just an, a brutal schedule. We planned out the rest of their season. We went game by game on the schedule, Adam and I did. And their April's pretty easy as a result of their March being so hard. So if they can kind of tread water and get out of this month, you know, 20 and 26, 21 and 25 or something like that, which sounds terrible for a team that's, that's trying to make the playoffs, they could easily be 500 or better by the end of April. That's how easy their April is. So I think it's just about surviving and stealing a win when you can at this point, which for a team that has the talent they have, that that's a a sucky mentality. But like, I get that when you're 17 and 22, your fans are going to be in meltdown mode, but losing to the, the, there are three losses since the break. The nature of them was terrible. They were winning at the end of the third quarter and all of them, but losing to the Lakers nuggets and nets is like, you know, whatever. (laughs) Those teams are awesome. Like whatever. So it's kind of, they're just kind of in a funky spot of like, what really should be expected of this team and what's actually happening and the way the losses are happening and the injuries like all combined together. And it's just a swirl of gross. It's, it's just gross. Well, I mean, there's too much talent in this team, right? I mean, even maybe just my outsider's perspective, but you look at Brogdon again, as you said, fringe all-star level. So bonus Turner playing well this year, Levert doing what he does as a scorer, you know, arguably for just a handful of games. And then you've got the potential of Warren, you know, your bench, starting to fill out a little bit behind that youth. I mean, what's been the biggest reason for their collapse? Is it just inexplicable nature or is it defense? Is it Bjorkren maybe making some questionable decisions? Cause I'm curious to hear what you think and what Pacers fans think of his first year as head coach. Yeah. The, the, the questionable thing that they do every game. So they have one bad stretch every game. It seems like, so right now it's fourth quarters. As I just said, you know, they've blown all these games at the end. But I asked Justin Holiday about the fourth quarters after they lost the Nuggets. And he brought, I'm putting this in a story in a few days. So I feel bad that I'm blowing it now. But um, he, I asked him about it. He was like, yeah, it's fourth quarters right now. We got to figure it out. We got to be better and adjust. But like, remember earlier in the season, it was second quarters, right? We were doing something terrible in second quarters. 
and just getting killed and digging ourselves these big holes. And we found a way to fix it, right? So they, they have these stretches every game. It was the third, and he said it was the third quarter before that, right? So they have these stretches every game where they're just not a good team. And you, you, then you go to why. Okay, so I, I have a few theories uh, or thoughts about it. One is, you know, the, in the absence of Warren and given the way that Bjorken handles minutes, uh, especially with Sabonis and Turner and when they play together and when they're apart, they're kind of forced into a lot of three-guard lineups and they don't have a lot of forwards. So they play a lot of these lineups with, Jeremy Lamb at power forward or Karis Levert at power forward recently, uh, they don't work. Those, those two guys cannot defend fours or have four responsibilities on defense. They can't be a screener on offense. So they're a lot more limited in what they can run. And even in just four minutes of those groups, they just, they do terrible. Jeremy Lamb has been one of the most useless defensive players in the NBA this season. Uh, he did practice on Thursday. So there's a chance he's back for these two games. His offense has been nice, but uh, that should be good for the heat if he returns. So that's part of it is they get, they get caught in this lineup trap. And the other thing is they just, I think you, you brought up consistency with the heat. It's not even like guys being in and out. It's just that their defense has been so inconsistent on a, even a quarter to quarter basis that it's hard to assess how good this team can be. Like some of it is Bjorkman throws out all these coverages all the time and stuff like that. And a lot of times they work, you know, he's a creative guy on defense, but their defense is just so inconsistent where sometimes it's clicking and they look great. And, you know, they, they beat the nets in the first quarter, 40 to 25, and then they give up a hundred points over the next three quarters and, you know, can't slow down anything and have guys get caught in no man's land. And it, it slows down everything. And, you know, th th they don't have guys like TJ McConnell was really good for a while. And then he was really bad. And McDermott was missing threes. And now he's hitting three. Like it's just weirdly inconsistency from a lot of guys who have built a career on being consistent role players as well. So that was a lot of, answer to your question but there's kind of a lot of things going on at the same time that are just kind of like how is this happening but it, it's happening it's a pattern so it's a thing and it's costing them wins oh that was a lot of answer i mean but <laughs> it sounds like no 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 it's good because i mean it gives you a good sense of what the team is but it's just it feels like it's a a pretty bleak, bleak place for pacers fans right now i, I don't feel like yeah. i'm uh, overstating that but Look at where Miami was just a few weeks ago, and, and this is not a stretch. I've been trying to be as even-keeled and positive, mostly, about this team because they are coming off a finals run. But just a few weeks ago, when they were losing games in the West Coast against bad teams or even teams that were missing a significant part of their rosters because of health and safety protocols, Miami fans wanted to blow up this team, saying they failed Jimmy Butler, that they've let him down, even trade Jimmy Butler to a contending team because he deserves better. And then you rattle off 11 out of 12 wins, and significantly, things just seem to turn around pretty quickly. So <laughs> I, I think it could turn around for I can't Pacers believe Pat Ryan didn't blow it up. I can't. Right. I'm stunned. <laughs> yeah, you, you you get a top 10 player in the league and as soon as you start to struggle a little bit, just get rid of them for, you know, maybe a potential first round pick that could, you know, possibly be a contributor down the road. Uh, you know, that's why the Heat have always not cared about draft picks. It's because it's always been such an iffy proposition. So, yeah. I mean, and especially if you're Miami, you can just lure whatever free agent you want. It certainly helps. So I, I think Brogdon and Sabonis are two guys I want to lastly finish on with your question there where they too have been inconsistent at times, you know, sometimes it's them who have a, those two that have a good game and no one else does. And then other times it's the role players, but one of them struggles, but those, you know, those two are really good. And most of the time they play at a high level, but their down games are really bad since they have the ball so much and they play so many minutes, right. It just, it, it, it stacks on itself. So they're, they're not quite at the star level where they're putting tons of fear and any other team, right. You know, I think that was clear from the postseason last year with Brogdon and so they're really good and they can help the team win, but 
just a, a dizzying number of factors happening at the same time has has fans on the on the fritz with this team but you know i don't want to say that they're going to have a heat like run at all but they definitely like their highs are so high i think that's part of why this is so frustrating is that they've shown how good they can be they were really good at the start of the year they have these awesome quarters it seems like every game even against good teams and they just can't get the win so it seems like if they're able to put it all together maybe they could have one of those heat runs but they haven't been able to so we'll see well, if it, it helps, uh, I think Miami does tend to give up a, a certain amount of three pointers there. As good as their defense has turned it around at the in the last few weeks, they they always seem vulnerable to what Heat fans term the random scrub Heat killer. If you ever see the hashtag RSHK coming from Heat Twitter, it's because some unexpected unexpected player off the bench will all of a sudden ignite and catch fire and score thirty points or hit a career high in three pointers. Like Tony Snell had that game uh, this season. Uh, I can't even remember what his first name is. Uh, Coffee from the Los Angeles Clippers. Amir, was, Amir Coffee. Amir Coffee. Yeah, you're sorry. Uh, Amir Coffee. He was a G League call up that day, goes and plays <laughs> for the Clippers that night against the Heat and winds up having a career high and on and on. It's just happened a number of times there. So if there's a random scrub heat killer on this bench who can shoot to three, who would you say that uh, might be most likely to have a big game against Miami? I would love to tell you who that is, David. But first, I think we should talk about Bilt Bar, because Bilt Bar, who we've been telling you about on the Lockdown Podcast Network for quite a long time, is making the best-tasting protein bars on the market for a while now. They're low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing-tasting protein bars that are 100% covered in chocolate on all bars. I cannot recommend them enough. But now it's time to figure out which, which Bilt Bar is the best. They're doing Bilt Bar madness in the spirit of March. Today's matchup appears to be salted caramel versus cookie dough chunk. I actually have only tried salted caramel. But cookie dough chunk sounds amazing. David, have you tried either or both of these? Yeah, cookie dough chunk. Uh, I think that's a clear number one C. That that is like the Duke Blue Devils of uh, of of the Bill Bar uh, March Madness here. See, because I see, just Duke, Duke's not in a tournament this year, aren't they terrible? Well, no, I mean <laughs> normally, normally. Yes, yeah. normally, yeah, normally. I, I think they're they're an unquestioned uh, number one seed in the tournament. I think they're going to take the whole tournament. To be honest with you, it's, so, it's that good. It's that good of a, a protein bar. They're all covered in one hundred percent chocolate. I love that you can build your own box of all these different flavors. So if you want to try salted caramel, go for. It. If you want to try the cookie dough one, do so as well. You won't be disappointed. All of them are great. Yeah, and when you do check out, make sure you use the code LOCKED15, uh, the number 15, to get 15% off your next order. That's LOCKED15 for 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best-tasting protein bar. to be the what, random scrub heat killer. I want to make sure I have all the words and parts. Yes, you got it. You got correct it. in that. The guy that heat fans will say is the is the random scrub would be Edmund Sumner. Edmund Sumner is not a scrub. Edmund Sumner is a very good basketball player who I have written about often as a solution to many of the Pacers' problems. He's having a – if you look at his stats and I tell you he's having a career, you'll probably laugh out loud in your chair. But he's having a career year. He is actually a part of the Pacers' rotation now as he grows – as a player, and he is shooting 35% from three now, which has been part of the thing stunting his development in the past. So uh, he is dazzling in transition, fantastic defensive player. They put him on LeBron James, James Harden uh, in the past five, five days for times of those games. So 
I would say he is the most likely random scrub heat killer. I would also add that the Pacers, uh, Pacers fans feel the same way. They always feel like every game there's one, like, like Kelly Oubre had his second best game of the year against the Pacers and guys like that. Just like, Oh, you're slumping. Okay. The time to get out of that slump is against the Pacers. So I feel, I feel like that sentiment tracks uh, from, for my listeners as well. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Look, I, I've, I've just had this conversation with Mark about uh, Edmund summer. He's a, a huge fan and uh, a believer in what he can do. Uh, conversely, I, I feel like Casey Opala has been the guy that, that Mark has always talked about as a, a you know big star potential, a guy who can contribute a lot defensively. So it's a, it's an interesting matchup there. I, I'm just with with Indiana. I just I don't know what to expect because I don't know that anybody does. It's just they have this potential, yeah. they have all this talent, and then just invariably, as you said, something falls apart there. So it's it's going to be an interesting game for Miami. I would say that there is no clear identity there either like they struggle defensively uh i'm sorry they struggle offensively and so there's always the potential for an upset uh they've been counting too much on all these players to step up guys like uh you know andre iguodala who is questionable for friday's game uh you know for kelly olenic etc you know you've got your star there in jimmy butler and so you have a difference maker if you wind up you know being down seven points to the memphis grizzlies as you were the night before but then everything has to break right and ultimately, you probably need somebody else to find a way to contribute, whether it's a Tyler Hero 3 or a Goran Dragic trip to the free throw line or even a, a sharp drive by Bam Adebayo. And just Bam has not taken that next step in his evolution where he can be as aggressive as you'd like him to be. And so there are questions about this team, at least for me. Look, they've been playing really well. I've been criticized for being too, quote unquote, critical of the team. I just I feel like I'm probably being much more even keeled than a lot of people want me to be and not not hyping them up as much, considering they've won as much as they have recently. You forgot about the X factor of this game, and that is Trevor Ariza. You know, who, who knows how good he can be? No, I'm joking. He's actually out for Friday, according to the injury report. I don't know with with uh, health and safety protocols that out and not out can change like day of and stuff. So I don't know if that's actually accurate, but currently the injury report says Trevor Ariza will not play on Friday. Yeah, he he could still potentially make his debut on Friday if yeah. he if he passes a significant amount of testing over in between, I guess today and tomorrow. They'll <laughs> go ahead and trot him out. But I mean, I'm guessing still, it'll be Sunday though. Yeah, I mean, it, it, he's 35. He hasn't played in over a calendar year. I don't know that you necessarily want to force him out there <laughs> anyway. So, and, and even if he does play, like we saw this with Andre Iguodala last season, who had played the year before with Golden State. He only missed a few months. This is not a full calendar year. Uh, even though we've seen Ariza play locally, he was training with a local skills trainer here. And so there's the potential that he might be in great shape. At least that's what Eric Spolstra said, but that's not NBA shape as we all know. The Pacers aren't going to make a move, right? They've already made their big move for the season. And yeah, I don't they, see that. They, they might they might do like Jeremy Lamb for an expiring or some some minor thing, but yeah, I don't I I do not imagine they make a move. I agree with you. I don't they don't, like talking they don't have to like they, what's their <laughs> I mean, they have so many other weaknesses. What's yeah. or you know, what's what's their the area that they would like to shore up, right? I mean, it's, it's at this point you've got the roster assembled, you kind of try to give it a go and see what you've got there for next season. Pretty much. Yeah. I, I think that a lot of this season too is like like they had Sabonis out in the playoffs. I think they want to see like what works with him in a postseason setting and they might not even get there. Um right. so I, I look at this Grizzlies game for the Heat and it was an awful game for them, so maybe this is bad. But I mostly just wanted to see who started for them. Olenek was at the four. Do you feel like between Bam and Olenek, they have they have enough defense there to slow down Turner and Sabonis. Yes. Um, Olenek gets a lot of crap, as I said before, but he's actually been much better 
than Heat fans. I, I don't. I, there's this weird bias against Olenek for a lot of different reasons, and the numbers all bear that he does. He does wind up being impactful. Like as a skilled player, he's seven feet tall. He can shoot. You know, he's inconsistent and has been throughout his whole career. He can pass. He can initiate offense somewhat. Uh, you know, he sets screens. He's much more vocal on defense this year. And so even internally within the concept of this season, he's been playing much better defensively. And so I think that he can certainly be a big enough body there, uh, you know, and again, because of his floor spacing abilities, it's going to keep them uh, at odds a little bit. Bam, not necessarily a floor spacer, although he's been shooting a lot more from the mid range, but he initiates a lot of that offense from the high post as well. So it's going to be interesting. They're not going to be allowed especially Turner is not going to be allowed to protect the rim as much as he does because neither Bam nor Kelly necessarily do most of their work around the painted area either. Bam more so than Olenek. A lot of off-ball cutting, things of that sort, a lot of great passing. Duncan Robinson, I'm not – and who would be guarding him in that starting line? Would it be Lavert? I guess that probably makes sense. Uh, I would imagine, yeah, Lavert, and then have Justin Holiday on Jimmy and uh, Brogdon yeah. and Kendrick Nunn. Yeah. So from from that perspective, like if Duncan's getting shut down as a perimeter shooter, if Lavert's able to kind of body him up and limit his touches and things of that sort, then you'll see a lot of off-ball movement from him, cutting and and backdoor cuts and things of that sort. So that that kind of throws off the defense considerably. It, it should be an interesting matchup. You know, it was another matchup that made me think the Pacers might win a game or two in the playoffs last year. I was like, oh. Brogdon can do really well against Kendrick Nunn. And then Kendrick Nunn didn't even play the entire series. Uh, oh, no, he played in game four and was like a microwave machine for the bench minutes he was in there. But now he, he, he can start again, right? He's been starting for the last couple of games for this team, right? Maybe yeah. that's where the Pacers can generate some points because if, if Turbonis is is just slowed down significantly, like, again, Brogdon has, has been special this season and having Levert's allowed them to use Brogdon more off ball, but – it's going to be harder for them to get advan- meaningful advantages in a way that may be confident they can score enough to, to beat the Heat. Yeah, none's been really bad lately. Uh, oh, and hey, we that- got an advantage for the Pacers on the board. Yeah, I mean, but... <laughs> And I'll say this, you never know that Kendrick Nunn roller coaster is always <laughs> on the ride there. So like before this last couple of weeks where he was bad after the all-star break, he was actually really good conceivably playing his best basketball, even when he was you know second in the rookie of the year voting last season, like he was making smart plays. He was reading the offense better where, where he was just kind of letting the play develop in a way he had not during his rookie season. He was making the right passes. His, his assist numbers were incredible. Like he had nine assists one game then four the next and seven the next, like those numbers he has never been able to produce regularly. And since then he's just, his shot has not been falling. He's not making the play as much. I'm not sure exactly what's going on with him and it's hard to tell because he doesn't indicate whether or not there's an injury or anything like that he just seems out of sorts and not contributing on a level but that could all change tomorrow if he is that first shot from Kendrick Nunn falls then he could easily have a 20-25 point night and then <laughs> the conversely in effect. yeah he, he could also have a, a 4 of 18 night too so I would that's not it's not great no maybe not 18 but 4 of 13 4 of 15 something like that yeah I, I'm I'm too Fond of and uh, not fond at all. Um, but fans love Lance, so fond is a word I'll use here. That he, if he made his first shot, Lance was shooting 15 times, and <laughs> if he missed his first shot, Lance was shooting six times. His shooting percentage wasn't like so different in those games, but it was pretty funny. So, this is a very general statement about this NBA season as it applies to this, you know, two games in Miami. But, yeah, even though I think individually for both games, I'd probably peg the heat at about you know 65 70 percent chance to win either one of them. And I think the Heat are better and are playing better. The way the Pacers and the way the NBA has gone this year with the, the COVID-reduced travel, having these 
little mini series throughout the season. The Pacers have split in every single one of them, the Celtics, the Raptors, the Hornets. I'm missing one, um, but they've split every single time. And I think that's just kind of how they go in the NBA yeah. this year, you know, especially when the teams aren't that far apart in the standings. Again, I think the Heat are better. Um, so even though I would probably like the most likely outcome might be the heat sweep, I feel like it's going to be a split just because of the, of the nature of the way these mini series work in a regular season. That's fair. I, and I agree with you hundred percent. Miami's done the same thing. I think they've split every series, even when like against the Milwaukee bucks early in the season, they got shellacked one game and then they came back without Jimmy in the lineup and wound up stealing a game against Milwaukee. So it, it just seems like it's, they did the same thing against the Hawks too. It was uh, when Lloyd Pierce, you know, got fired. They, they beat the, the pants off the Hawks one game and they lost the next day. And so it's just, the weirdness and the inconsistency of the season. And then during these mini series, as you referred to them, you know, you can make those in-game adjustments. We'll see what happens if a is out on Friday and then he comes back on Sunday, whether or not that changes things a little bit, maybe Miami makes some tweaks there. Maybe their offense doesn't flow as smoothly once he's in the lineup, considering again, that he hasn't played in a year. So it, it should be a fun matchup. It's, it's going to be a great series. Nonetheless, it always feels like with Pacers, he always comes down to like the last bucket yep. of the game That's or the last minute or two. So it's going to be fun regardless of how it pans out. Whoever wins or loses, I think it's still going to be an interesting game. The Heat, the Magic, the Kings, and I think I'm, I'm missing – oh, the Knicks. Those four teams, every Pacers game against them in the regular season, exactly the same. Where with the Heat, comes down to the last possession. With the Knicks, it's like a 99-95 disgusting game. No matter what happens in a Magic-Pacers game, the Pacers will win. It doesn't matter. The Magic could shoot 100% the whole game. The Pacers would win somehow. It's just how it goes. So yeah, the Heat Heat Pacers it seems like every regular season game is always the same. It comes down to to the very end. So I'm looking forward to them. David, thank you for the time. Uh, where I guess if, if your listeners are listening, they already know where they can follow you. But where can my people who want to learn more about the Heat follow you and all your stuff? Well, they can follow me at DRamil13. That's my personal account, or just follow at Locked On Heat for in-game commentary. Uh, and and you play the you know do the redo the favor for for my listeners as well, Tony. Tell them where they can find you and all your great work. Yeah, similar stuff. My personal account is at T East NBA for all your great Pacers updates about a team that that needs some shine right now. And at Locked On Pacers for the uh, podcast Twitter account. And it, it, it's all going down. The Locked On hosts are uh, doing lots of stuff right now, and it's been cool and fun. So. Make sure you follow David and I. It'll be worth your time.